Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash, and today what we're talking about is political change at the municipal level. If you take the time and look at the minutes of a city council meeting for virtually any city in America, the vast majority of the minutes cover planning and zoning related issues. In fact, it's at the very detail level, at the individual property level, every single landowner who wants a zoning change, who wants change in land use, unless it's a minor variance, will typically end up going to city council to be voted on. Tremendous amount of resources get consumed at the municipal level dealing with this one issue. Sometimes cities get fed up with all of this extra work and they decide to come out with a new set of zoning guidelines, perhaps a new municipal plan overlay, which basically is a signal to developers, to landowners in terms of what's going to be permitted and what's not going to be allowed under that new zoning regime. For example, in 2014, the zoning rules in the city of Philadelphia were relaxed. We we're allowed to do many more things under those new zoning guidelines than were possible the year before. However, the Zoning Board of Appeal was basically given a new mandate. What they said was, the rules have now been relaxed, so don't come whining to the Zoning Board of Appeal for every little minor variance that you want. The vast majority of these applications are going to be denied, and in fact, that's what we experienced. Under the new Zoning Board, very few things were being permitted. I'll give you another example. I live in the city of Ottawa, Canada, where the city has essentially given a mandate to encourage infill development, that is, to repurpose land in the inner core of the city rather than encouraging urban sprawl that has occurred in so many cities all across Canada and the United States. So if you have a piece of land that is zoned either rural or agricultural, the chances of it being rezoned for development, for use for residential, or any other purpose is very, very unlikely. Developers are being encouraged to utilize lands that have already been zoned for development purposes and maybe repurposing land that has already been developed before, tear down what's there, out with the old, in with the new, on existing lands. That way the city does not need to expand its infrastructure. They don't need to pave new roads, put in new sewer, water, and public transit infrastructure, which is enormously costly. In fact, if you look at most cities in Europe or in other parts of North America where there's a very effective public transit system, there's a certain minimum level of density that's required in order for that public transit system to operate economically and efficiently. You know, when I go to Japan, I'm always astounded at how few cars there are on the road and how almost everybody takes the train, whether it is a worker all the way on up to a senior executive, almost everybody takes the train. And the trains and subways operate on such a frequency that it's actually more efficient to take the train. In Japan, trains come every three minutes. But that level of service is only possible when you have a population density to support it. Another factor for you to consider when you're contemplating repurposing a piece of land are what are called development charges, or in some jurisdictions, called impact fees. These are the fees that are charged to the developers to help fund some of the growth of the infrastructure, some of the growth in the water mains and the sewers and the roads and all of that. One of the most expensive cities in North America for development charges is the city of Toronto. If you want to build a new single-family home in the city of Toronto, maybe you're going to take a large property, subdivide it, and then put a new home on that, sub, on that newly subdivided lot, you will pay in some parts of Toronto up to $84,000 in development charges before you can put a foundation in the ground. As we've talked about on previous episodes of the podcast, you can create a tremendous amount of value through the process of getting zoning changes. 
However, not all zoning changes will be permitted. So if you want to get smart about this, take the time and review the meeting minutes from previous city council meetings. In many cities, they actually record the meetings. You can listen to the audio recording. In some cases, you can actually watch the video of the meeting as if you had been in the room. You get to see what the concerns are from the other city council members, from residents, so you can walk into a city council meeting fully prepared to address the concerns that are going to be leveled at you, both from residents and other city council members. Some of the most sophisticated approaches involve actually sitting down with those city council members in advance of the council meeting so that you can hear their concerns face-to-face. Now, if you do that, some cities will require you to register as a lobbyist since you are, in fact, representing a special interest that has a financial interest in the outcome of that particular vote. For many real estate developers, the idea of getting involved politically is not very attractive. If you want to get something done that hasn't been done before, the spoils and the reward will go to those few who have the intestinal fortitude to take on the politicians at the local level and get their project approved at city council. Meantime, as you're thinking about that new project or that piece of vacant land that you'd like to build something on, have a spectacular day, make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.